welcome back to the show. I am Chair. Hello, Bacon. Hello, Chair. We have an interview with Ross Campbell. Ross Campbell of Sushi Swap. Lexdale. Talk about uh, someone who's worked on things that we probably all have used at this point. Having some insight into their thinking. And we didn't really talk about sushi at all. You're right. It was all legal, mm-hmm. legal, legal stuff. Well, we had him on to talk about Lexdale and to talk about legal things. That was the point of the episode. And we didn't really know that he worked at Sushi Swap for the most part. We had either not, I didn't know, and you either didn't know or forgot for briefly. And then we ended up talking to him about it a bit at the end after we finished recording. So after we finished recording this podcast, folks, we continued to talk to Ross because he's just such a cool guy. And then Chair actually, I think, had a jam session with him immediately after the interview as well, after I got off. Yeah, Ross has uh, enlightened me to a few steps we need to take with the Love Society, LSDAO. That's have a nice day. WTF and LSDAO.WTF, mm-hmm. LSDAO collection on OpenSea. Should we go ahead and plug your Trippy as Hell project while we're here? Let's do it. Thank you, Bacon. Yeah. We are the Love Society. We are the LSDAO. We stand for onboarding creative people into the Web3 space and empowering them to do whatever it is they love and giving them the education or support or tools necessary, community necessary to succeed. Have a nice day.wtf is our first project with T-Bird. That's at Tim Time on Twitter. We are over 50% sold out. When we reach the 100 of 100 sold for this project, which is a 100 unique, completely unique tabs of art that are available on OpenSea. Each of these tabs represent one share in the LSDAO. Holders of these tabs are automatically entered in the raffle, which commences as soon as the final tab is sold. That raffle is for the physical frame piece that T-Bird so lovingly crafted. Uh, you can see on the blog. Yeah, you guys should definitely check out that physical piece. The physical piece is pretty badass. I mean, I'm not even... It's not my style. So the way you started this Love Love Society DAO is not my style at all. It is trippy as all hell, and it is like a bad acid trip. When you watch the promo videos or you see the art that Heber did, which is very technically impressive. It's not my style, but it's very technically impressive. He did this kind of composite image where the overall image is the overall sheet, I guess, is composed of these little separate squares. There's the hundred squares that Chair just talked about. And it's like this composite image where each square is its own image that is pieced together to somehow form this larger image, which is, it's pretty wild, to be honest. Yeah, T-Bird is uh, amazing. Yeah. And then the physical entity itself is also very impressive because it's uh, excellent. I don't know where he got that frame. It's like a floating glass plate thing with like a purple anodized aluminum trim. It's it's pretty sweet. It's done proper. Mm. We'll include links to all of these visual references we're, we're describing for you. But I certainly urge you to check out the work, if anything, to to trip out on the art. Also, do you want to go ahead and drop that you're working with another artist uh, well, now? You too? know what? To, and for the sake of brevity, mm-hmm. let's just say that we have a lot of things coming up, even things that... Uh, that have developed even since since the last 24 hours. So the Love Society is growing very quickly. I just want people to know that there's going to be more and different stuff. Oh, yeah. Everything that we do is, is a one-of-one project, more or less. Mm-hmm. And we do have another artist coming on. It is Vinny Kanicki, at Vinny Kanicki. V-I-N-N-I-K-I. K-I-N-N-I-K-I. He is, uh, he is a very sick, uh, dope street artist and mm. and nft artist yeah it's like a graffiti tagging style right yeah so i'm i'm very excited about his drop and then we have a few other drops that i'm not at liberty to talk about yet but this has been a wonderful 
segue away from Ross to tie it back in, yeah. those NFTs that we originally minted, we need to migrate those to contract that we own ourselves. And Ross was very enlightening in you know, Solidity is supposed to be simple. And Ross showed a very simple solution to the migration question of how do we do it. And so I'm very thankful and grateful to him for pointing me in that direction. And without further ado, here's Ross Campbell of LexDAO and SushiSwap. Welcome, everybody. We are back at Share What You're Making with Chair and Bacon. I am here, as always, with my friend Chair, with my friend Chair, with my friend Bacon. It's all right. It's, I think it's a compliment to be confused with you, Chair. When I think of you, I think of myself. Uh, we... it's, okay, I'm not, I feel like that one's less of a compliment, but all right, I'll roll with it. I, don't, I feel like I don't want to probe for deets on that either. I know we could grab ass all day, but we are here today with a gentleman who, if you're not finding him in the Discord servers of LexDAO or Raid Guild or MetaCartel or WhalerDAO, you might find him hanging out in the uh, Metaspace Metamystics channel uh, somewhere deep on your server list he is of course ross campbell of the LexDAO. welcome ross Happy to be here. in our interview last week with yaler came up that we would love to have some guests on who could speak to the legal side of things in web3 and ethereum and who better than the founder of LexDAO? and am i right ross are you the founder i, I guess you know in the biz they call it summoner uh but yeah no i i, I sort of um deployed the, the dow i uh, harass people on Twitter to join, <laughs> kind of the, the usual uh, rigmarole. But yeah, you, you can say that. Maybe. So talk about yourself uh, as broadly as you would like, but tell tell me about well, your background legally and otherwise, sort of getting into web pre, getting into web three, and sort of what you saw in either within web three or in the space that was needed that you started focusing and eventually creating LexDAO? Wow. So I guess, you know, I can begin at the beginning of uh, kind of my journey into Web3. My first real job was as a corporate attorney. I didn't find that especially fulfilling, but it was kind of a logical thing to do after law school. And it, it was a great experience, but kind of during that work, you know, Web3 uh, was kind of creeping uh, into my flow. There were ransomware attacks. Clients were wondering about Bitcoin, how do I get Bitcoin, what is the legal status of it? But I also kind of uh, started to learn about Ethereum smart contracts. For me, it was kind of this sort of existential threat that I saw on the horizon. And kind of, you know, once you get the bug, it's it's hard to uh, kind of, uh, you know, turn back. Once you learn about Web3 and um, smart contracts, efficiency, it, it gets very difficult to do sort of the old school road work that a lot of uh, legal associates do. So I, I kind of jumped in headfirst into the space. I, I luckily found myself at Consensus and Open Law, um, got to sort of work on legal engineering projects like the Lao. But what really kind of uh, energized me was this sort of emerging culture of like hackers and builders and just people that like to experiment with like uh, finance. And to kind of take it back to like first principles and say like, this is about um, people on the internet. Can we make deals better? Can we uh, have companies that don't totally suck? And yeah, no, I, I think, you know, MetaCartel has been very welcoming uh, to builders and I, I found it sort of a, a good sounding board there. But yeah, I, I mean, that's that's kind of a rambling intro, but it, it was something that I could not ignore. And I, I've described it as sort of professional FOMO. This is all I want to do. Do you remember the moment in, in like, was it in law school or was it somewhere where you're doing something old school and you thought, why well, I can't do this anymore? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> When you're associated at a law firm, you don't really get to do the sexiest kind of work. 
you're reviewing a lot of agreements, you know, fixing typos even. In some cases, I would literally be transcribing things to partner with, like, yell at me on a telephone. So it was like, you know, with Ethereum smart contracts and what I saw these sort of hackers doing is like, they were really taking things by the horn, you know, kind of choosing their own destiny. And I, I learned about, you know, some sort of like proofs of concepts around like insurance smart contracts, you know, if there's an earthquake, maybe you can have automated uh, payouts to people. But what I really kind of wanted to see was like, can I take all these docs I'm reviewing that like are really messy, they're, they're so hard to track, and can I put them into a format that like you can Google? And better yet, like when you're online, can you actually do deals and, you know, pay people, you know, with a click and not have to like phone a bank or do anything like that. So it, it felt very kind of natural, like anyone who sort of is a bit younger than, you know, a partner sort of has grown up with like Reddit and, uh, you know, video games. And it was like, yeah, like, let, let's apply this sort of culture uh, to like law and especially to like corporate work. Um, so I, I guess we could lean into DAOs and all, all that fun stuff, like. I, I did some corporate governance work where, you know, I'd represent shareholders that wanted uh, things out of their company. And it was a very expensive pro uh, you know, process for these people. The legal system, I, I think, works well, but it's very slow and extremely inefficient for getting people what they want. So with a DAO, especially like a Moloch DAO, you, you join and you know the deal from the get-go. And if you don't like how things are going, you can just leave with like a click. And yeah, you, you can't like put that knowledge back you know, once you know this thing is possible, um, you, you kind of like are, are drawn to it. It's like a siren song, I think, for a lot of people like me. Yeah, th th that's kind of my uh, take there. I'm kind of curious if we can get you in writing saying that the legal system works well. <laughs> I feel like that's a unique opinion. It, yeah, I mean, it, it eventually gets there, I would say. You know, like you, you could say like democracy works well, like eventually. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I see your point then. That's a good point. But it definitely doesn't feel like something um, that people who've been exposed to the internet like will tolerate if there's an alternative. So that's been kind of my journey of like, can I make this sort of experience of being online and like sort of doing work online like actually compatible with like agreements and sort of the legal system? You know, a lot of that has actually been like just reducing things. To be honest, like to give a kind of lame example, like I see a lot of legal processes as almost like I'm, I'm Mario and I'm jumping and I'm breaking bricks and like money's popping out. I, I think a lot of like associates are primed to do this where it's like, yeah, I, I could, you know, have this very costly way to like talk about bankruptcy or these other processes, or I could just tokenize this thing and put it on an open market and let the market sort of, you know, figure out, you know, the value of all these things that we try to talk about and uh, frame with, you know, our old school agreements. So, um, yeah, that's <laughs> interesting. I kind of, I kind of like the Mario analogy of like jumping over things. It's pretty good. Yeah, and like Ethereum is maybe like the hammer or something. <laughs> like, oh, level up maybe. and mushrooms. Or the, or the what is? Was only you cast like fireballs? Was that the bunny ears? Flower. Flower. Yeah. Um, off mic, just before we began this interview, Ross, we were talking about interactions that I have with my buddy who is a transactional lawyer, specifically within real estate, and. While I have watched his outlook evolve, certainly within the last three years, from completely skeptical to a lot less skeptical, but with very specific questions and concerns about why it doesn't work. What I heard from him repeated in our last conversation, people are off-put by the term smart contract. And it's hard for me to get past that term with my transactional law buddy. And 
how do you navigate these waters? Let's start there. Yeah, I think what what is always important to understand with smart contracts is like people are still very much involved. You know, you deploy an escrow smart contract, you still need people to like sign and use their private keys and uh, you know call functions to release funds. But the the automation here and sort of the the revolution is like we don't need to like checkpoint with a bank in order to move money anywhere in the world. Like anyone with an internet connection can get paid. So when you think about like, you know, real estate, it's like, can you put the property rights that you're talking about in these like uh, legal agreements and can you put them in a format that like can be controlled by computers? So once the seller receives the payment, can you have automatically a token that represents the title to a property, you know, go into their account? I think your, your friend could probably appreciate that you know, even though we have all these agreements that represent, you know, legal rights, the way they are constructed right now and stored is very hackable. And, you know, that should be uh, something that should resonate. If your property rights are only as good as the software you're running or if your antivirus programs, then that's a lesser property right than something that maybe lives on a blockchain and is validated by like thousands of computers. So, yeah, I, I think it's like putting things into a much more durable format that's also friendlier to computers. You know, they can probably think about ways to make what they're doing more efficient. Um, but, you know, why not make the financial part of your agreements more efficient too? It's, it's, you're not going to have a smart contract that like moves to like, uh, you know, houses or like uh, goods quite yet. We don't have the robots uh, quite up to stuff, but it, maybe in like 20 or 30 years. But right now it's really about like, making the financial part of these things like way more automated. Um, you know, who, who doesn't like that, right? <laughs> like everyone likes to get paid. Everybody likes things to work automatically. Yeah. But yeah, that's my stump speech. <laughs> so how would you, or maybe branching off to different concepts, but uh, how would you kind of sell LexDAO and the Web3 space to a lawyer who's unaware of this stuff? Like, are there any advantages right now to a lawyer um, performing and developing services on the Web3 space right now? Or is it more for like those of you who are already interested and are kind of really trying to build out a program for the future that currently doesn't really have a lot of benefit? Where would you say you're positioned and how would you potentially sell a new legal member? Yeah, I, I mean, I would start by saying that LexDAO is a pretty deep rabbit hole for people that really want to, uh, you know, dig in. But uh, to start, I, I would say like, hey, attorney, like what does your bar association do for you these days? You kind of like mail mail in a check. Maybe you get a magazine in the mail every now and then, but it, it's very ineffective to like actually boosting your practice and your profile. I think you know Web three and blockchain and smart contracts is like the hot rod of tension right now for you know finance, like lawyers, clients, and um, at, at the most su superficial level, it should be an advantage to sort of associate with something that's like fresh and in my opinion, sophisticated to the space. So there's a couple elements. You know, the first I think that's most obvious to attorneys is like, can we have reputation, you know, for being uh, sort of a specialist, uh, a specialist in the sense of like Web3? Can we make that actually meaningful by having, you know, these specialists congregate in a DAO? Can we have co-ownership? Can we have more predictability, uh, you know, with smart contracts? Can we also like have... LexDAO be a much larger organization than a sort of provincial uh, bar association. Um, you know, last week we actually uh, added a third year law student from India to LexDAO. And I, I think that speaks to kind of like the, the superpower of DAOs is that they're open <clears throat> and like very accessible to people with talent and interest. So yeah, I, I think most lawyers probably want a bit more 
out of their associations and why not try something a bit different? And if you're going to you know, waste your time with these sort of things, like maybe hedge on the future. I think lawyers are sort of picking up uh, on this whole blockchain thing now. Do you find that um, lawyers as a community are like receptive to this? Like, are they a community that's like looking for the next big thing or are they more of a community that's traditional and old fashioned? Very, very old fashioned, I would say. <laughs> which you know has been made it a bit difficult to sort of penetrate the, the you know uh, law firms and mm-hmm. sort of get uh more experienced attorneys involved um but uh, i think there's also kind of an understanding for like younger lawyers especially like law associates that are sort of slogging through the law firm uh you know rat race that why not find an edge that probably you know is high growth like blockchain and, you know, if it's just a matter of like sort of moonlighting, giving some tribute to our DAO, that's a very low risk proposition, I think, to a lot of people that I think have an incentive to do something that's a bit edgier. Yeah, I, I, I think that like I'll, I'll never get like a 60 year old partner in Lex DAO, but that's not really a problem in my mind because they're not going to support this technology ultimately. And the legal profession is conservative almost out of uh, self-interest, especially with technology. Like oftentimes lawyers build by the hour. So they want things to be sort of slow. <laughs> you know? yeah. So yeah. The, the idea of like instant settlement and sort of using templates and sort of streamlining the whole like legal process, like isn't as attractive to them, but to more ambitious folks. I think they, they get where this is all going. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't think about the hourly thing and how that incentivizes to be slow and not efficient or fast. <laughs> Um, that didn't, didn't really think about that. It's about getting. I was it told right. that if you're like thinking <laughs> about something, you should bill a client. Like that, that's kind of the culture, which I think is like ripe for disruption. You know, it's not very you know value add. Yeah, uh, one of the lawyers for my for my company um, said that he used to kind of always feel a little. Uh, I don't know what the word is like guilty or dirty because like he used to have to like i can't remember he was at some other company and like he'd have to go like ask his boss like questions for things at work but like his boss was super busy and so like he just have to like wait outside his boss's office for like 20 minutes or like 30 minutes and he'd have to bill his clients for like the 20 or 30 minutes he was just sitting there waiting outside of his boss's office because it's like work he was doing for that client even though he wasn't really doing work he was just waiting for his boss to have time to talk to ask like the one question like he'd have like one question like he needed to ask his boss he'd have to sit there for like 20 or 30 minutes waiting and bill to the client to ask like a five minute question um, he said that always felt really weird to him and so he was glad to get kind of get away from that where now he's just like salaried because that would just work yeah, for us it, it really hurts the, the work satisfaction like when you really know you're not actually like creating value like it it really gets to you i, I think over time but yeah <laughs> yeah Rasu, I, i'd love to ask you given the position you're in and what you're doing day to day since you are running a, a dow that is quite active in my experience with raid guild i know that and thankfully have not seen it happen yet that lex dow uh, does arbitration sometimes or always for raid guild raids and that's getting a little bit inside baseball and we're not going to go and explain what that is other than it is uh, building software with (laughs) between different groups but can you describe a typical arbitration scenario that LexDAO is if there is one that's typical or let's say the common scenario where LexDAO is called into adjudicator or decide something yeah sure so I I think the, the common uh, issue I've seen is honestly like a technical issue, which is like, hey, I lost my private key or um, how, how does this like contract work? You know, <laughs> stuff like that. I, I had the uh, opportunity earlier on to sort of build together with Red Guild and escrow smart contract system 
they've now refined that and made it very slick and kind of a market for arbitration, which I think is like awesome. But yeah, it, it's kind of this like friend of the family thing of like DAOs within uh, Meta Cartel do well to grow together. And there, there was a clear, obvious need of like rate deal with their rate parties of like, we, we should have like a milestone system for payments. And whenever you have a system that's locking up funds, it's good to have safety valves. So um, Luxdow has been uh, happy to kind of be that uh, safety valve for uh, rate build uh, escrows. I have worked on a, a disagreement and sort of uh, held court through Discord, which honestly I enjoyed, but I, I think that uh, user experience can be improved a lot. Um, so, so we're looking to sort of refine uh, things with like Dropbox, uh, you know, data rooms and probably get people on calls and stuff and really do a more orderly job there. But I, I think it's kind of grown out of necessity of like, you know, service DAOs um, want to use smart contracts and they're inevitably going to have uh, disputes. So LuxDAO as sort of a watering hole for attorneys and coders like felt like a very natural uh, sort of solution there. Yeah. And I, I think it's pretty cool <laughs> to sort of get to build that thing out. I, I, I really appreciated like the, um, the dog food and culture of, of Meta Cartel, Raid Guild, and others. Is one of the examples of the community propping itself up, doing real work, getting things done in a real way that I reference in like success stories of like, well, what's actually happening? It's like, well, there are many groups of people working together to pump out bleeding edge stuff in a coordinated way that works well and people are happy and they keep coming back. And so it's a big success for all of Web3, I think. At least in this tiny section, like things are working and they're working as intended. Yeah. I have uh, a one not so controversial, but then a, a controversial one okay. uh, right up behind it, which you're not <laughs> obligated to answer. But I'll start with this. Who would you bring into the Web3 slash Ethereum space that isn't here now? And that can include a public figure or an institution altogether like the NHL. Let's say, or for example, like I, I think the MLB would be served great if they adopted Ethereum for X reason, or any public figure uh, that you think you would like to see. For instance, I would love to see the professional Kabaddi League, uh, the PKL, <laughs> uh, for all my Indian friends know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a combination of wrestling and tag. And I think the PKL needs to get tokenized. And bring themselves onto the blockchain. I think it would serve a number of reasons, but is there anything for you? Wait, 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 hold up. Hold, hold, hold the phone right there for a brief second. You can't just drop a PKL for your Indian friends, cross between wrestling and tag, and then just breeze past it like the rest of us all know what that is and aren't now extremely interested about this sport that's a cross between well, wrestling and I, tag. I guess you haven't heard of uh, of the game Kabaddi, K-A-B-B-A-D-I, which is a game played with teams of men or women Faced off seven on seven, I believe, as much as ten on ten, and they, uh, one person from each team, they take turns, is charged with crossing across the center line, tagging one or more members of the other team, and then they must run back across the center line before all of the members of the other team tackle them to the ground. And if they are successful, then the people they tagged are out. If they are not successful, they themselves are out, and then there's some different combinations of that. So in essence, it is. A combination of tag and wrestling. And so it's like a weird, bizarre twist on Steal the Bacon, I guess, too. Oh, Lord. Well, there it is. I, I think so. So uh, in a very roundabout way, I believe that all professional sports would serve better to be tokenized. Not tokenized, but really contractized. Is there something for you, Ross? 
Yeah, I, I wish my answer was as interesting as yours, but I, I would say I want to see politicians like fundraise using crypto and crypto smart contracts. Like I want to have a DAO, you know, where I can pull funds. And then if I don't like how a politician's doing, I can cut them off. You know, I, I would like to see a, a bit more of that, you know, lobbyists uh, using uh, smart contracts and crypto um, reporters also, you know, I think media definitely could use a bit more, uh, you know, autonomy, right? Especially reporters that are doing reporting directly on states and their activities sort of in the sort of WikiLeaks vein. But I don't, I don't think WikiLeaks ever really progressed past Bitcoin to use like smart contracts and use DAOs to sort of uh, support their infrastructure. So um, this is a much more boring answer, but like, I, I really think the next big sort of slice of society is like the political area uh, or, you know, political regime. It makes complete sense. Yeah, that's a really good point. I was thinking about that earlier today. I've actually over the years been involved in a variety of different like small political party projects. And I'm currently technically, although I don't do anything for it anymore, but I'm technically currently the state chair of Massachusetts for this small political party that I should probably do more stuff for. But I was just thinking about the fact that it'd be a lot easier, a lot better if like this, this party or parties in general were like a DAO. That way everyone's, it's transparent. Everyone can tell where the funds are going and everyone who is a member of that political party can vote on like which candidates you're spending the money on and stuff. And you can even vote I remember that party could even have like a voting system within the DAO to like vote for like, you know, primaries and stuff. Right. And so like you could have this whole system that like just like what you said, and it would also be good for really all governance in general, because like then you could also, as you said, pull your own money and like cut off different politicians and things like that, which would be really interesting. Um, and there's obviously a lot, a lot that can be affected in that space. Yeah, it's like a, we haven't seen the incentives of crypto applied there. Like if you're streaming a lobbyist money, you know, by the second. I feel like their behavior will change dramatically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and if they know that like people on the internet are like watching them and they, they hold the keys to that money, very, very different dynamic. Yeah, I wish I had like a, a good sort of punchy uh, figurehead I could throw in here, but completely blanking. The only the only figurehead I can think of is like uh, Ted Cruz because he recently spoke about crypto, but like I'm not necessarily a Ted what Cruz What did fan. Ted Cruz have to say about crypto? Uh, I mean, he, he just raised the whole stink about the, uh, the infrastructure bill uh... and sort of the, the tack on there to talk about crypto and i mean he was mostly grandstanding in my opinion yeah but just struggling to stay relevant sounds right exactly <laughs> <laughs> but jumping on the latest issue just to seem relevant again but that's sometimes how it goes to move the needle yeah that's true um, yeah sports league seems interesting and considered that yeah, probably betting. Yeah, bet, yeah betting is always huge. Yeah, I've, I've gotten in, involved in like the uh, the Zed Run stuff, which is kind of neat. Where it's like you know the NFT horses, so it's like you can own your own horses and breed your own horses, and then you race the horses, and other people can bet like on your horses and how they do and things like that. It's a pretty neat concept, definitely. Like the betting in particular. What's the spicy? Ah, uh, the spicy. Oh, so nice. I uh, so we went. I went a little meandery, but so the first question is, who would you bring in? Now we say, who are you going to kick out? One person active in the Web3 and Ethereum community that you want to see gone. There used to be a, well, as you think about it, there used to be a show on Los Angeles Sports Talk Radio uh, that I believe his name was, oh, I don't remember his name, but the segment was called, Hey, get out of LA. And so who are you going to say to right here on the spot, Ross Campbell of LexDAO, Hey, get out of Ethereum. Craig Wright. Thank you very much. You heard it here, folks. Oh, he's not. He, he's not. An you know what? Don't even look this <laughs> way, Craig Wright. Wait, is Craig Wright actually in the Web three space? I thought that was just like a joke. Uh, he started some sort of uh, sixth degree Bitcoin uh, fork. Really? I believe he called it. Um, 
Satoshi's spectacles. Bitcoin Satoshi's no spectacles. No, I think it's You're pulling my Satoshi's life. vision. <laughs> Actually, I'm cl- it's close. It's called Satoshi's vision. BT, Bitcoin that's, SV. Okay, that's not that much better. Yeah. Damn. I, this whole time, people have been talking about Craig Wright and shit, and I just thought it was like a meme people were throwing around, just like jokes, and like now it's actually a thing, and that's very disturbing. Oh, well, you know, we, we should probably be careful what we say because he likes to sue Vitalik just for mentioning his name, but I, I'd like to get to that point where we Is have that many really, Where's... What are all these? Where have I been living? Have I been like under a rock? Like, what is like? Is that a thing? Has he been suing Vitalik? Oh, you should listen to Lex Friedman's podcast that had Vitalik on, where Vitalik mentions the fact that his legal team is hitting him up all the time. Uh, Interesting. But, uh, and free plug for Lex. Thank me later, Lex. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know Lex. Ping me, Lex. Or he could just chill us on his podcast. That'd be great. That'd be that would be definitely a lopsided deal, but I'll take it. There's a Russian connection there. Oh God, I don't need more Russian connections in my life. <laughs> what are you doing with me? Um, <laughs> so uh... yeah, it's a pretty safe answer. But like, I generally like most people in, in the space right now. Like, I think there's there's a good washout with the bear market, and like only sort of the true believers remain. I'm sure we'll get some like. Uh, real idiots um you know as these cycles play out but kind of you know liking it have you have you seen anything like i i wonder because it's such it's such the wild west right now that i've seen now before me or in front of me people take other people's ideas quickly run to market and beat them to it people hanging out in discord servers under the guise of joining the community really to leech the important things that they are looking forward to utilize themselves uh also source cred farming another fun interesting fact so like there's a lot of legal gray areas <laughs> let's let's say in crypto to like more than one how do you see like at the moment it's it really is the wild west in a lot of at least from my perspective but from your how 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 much longer do we have i guess that's my question like how much longer do we have in this? Just nobody really understands what we're saying <laughs> when we talk about Ethereum and what we do or why it's important. Do you? Do we have another three years of this? Do you? Do you think the hammer is going to come down unexpectedly? So to rephrase your question is, how much longer are we wild west before like there's a new sheriff in town exactly. that comes straightens us all out? And who's that sheriff going to be? Two part. Right, I like this question. Yeah. So I, w- I would say like six months or so. That's it. So, you know, Gary Gensler... You think somebody's yeah. going to come in and, and straighten us all out in six months? Well, it, it's not that they'll straighten us out, but I think there'll be concerted attempts to do so. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm optimistic, though, that like this is just part of the uh, sort of hazing ritual of like a new asset class, like Ethereum and Bitcoin. You kind of have to pay the piper. And, you know, the government um, is not very articulate about the space yet. And I, I think um, kind of... What I've seen is sort of, um, you know, figures like Gary Gensler, who's the new uh, chairman of the SEC. He's, you know, actually taught a course on blockchain. But what kind of frustrates me is a, a lot of these people that are sort of positioning themselves to regulate the space or to sort of uh, loom over it. Um, they know how the technology works, but I, I see sort of deliberate misunderstandings about the purpose of the technology. You know, there are hacks, there, there is fraud, there, there are scams that happen with uh, tokens, but there's a lot of good things too. Like the Uniswap airdrop was like pretty uh, revolutionary in terms of like, you have a bunch of users that now own part of the product they've been using and it was retroactive and fair in that way. Those are good stories that I think like, um, I hope we can sort of keep telling. And I think there's like good lawyers and uh, good sort of uh, think tanks that are trying to like not have this sort of uh, 
uh, overbearing attitude and sort of illustrate like this is a, a fundamentally a, a good thing for the economy and it, it's good for consumers. Um, it will help uh, us stay competitive. But, you know, with, with that, I think it will be difficult to do uh, experiments. I think there'll be a lot more attention to people that are deploying smart contracts and promoting smart contracts and getting um, user, you know, sort of user funds involved. I, I think we'll become a lot more conservative, but uh, it's not necessarily the deep end of crypto. There'll always probably be a fringe uh, section mm -hmm. of crypto that uses a tornado cash that stays very private. But I think it'll be a very uh, small part of the market Interesting. Uh, versus like sort of Coinbase and Robinhood and sort of crypto in the back end of people's like, phones, which which is OK, you know, ultimately. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's going to happen very quickly. Interesting. That's a that's a pretty hot take. I have to be honest. Also, the, my other question is kind of a follow up to that. And I guess I'm, I might elaborate on something said here as well. Uh, how do you th envision the enforcement of like legal actions in, in the future? Like, in, so in the crypto space, it's mostly like anyone can hold private keys and anyone can do something and make a new wallet, right? And yeah. if if people aren't anonymous, there's at least a heavy amount of ob obfuscation that can occur. Uh, so how do you imagine that in this like kind of um, D wild westing and and law bringing? What's the term I'm looking for? Does does yeah in <laughs> this law bringing? How do you think enforcement will work? Like how do you envision? How do you enforce like legal? Like so like for example, let's say somebody starts cred farming or steals an idea or like rug pulls. Like how do you enforce a legal ruling on them? I mean, as you kind of suggested, you can't if this person is anonymous mm -hmm. and they have good opsec and they're in control of their keys. This is um, probably the, the more troubling aspect of crypto to regulators and something they, yeah, sure. they understand, but they don't yeah. want to talk about is this idea that like this is like technology that's on the level of states. You know, it, it has its own sort of sovereignty. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think kind of what I expect and what I'm seeing is that they'll probably try to incentivize people to disclose, to sort of bring home the bacon to the, the tax man. You know, I, I'm not sure if like we'll, we'll see like a U.S. government sort of digital wallet be rolled out uh, for like UBI. I mean, that might be very interesting, but I, I can see sort of, you know, the gray zones becoming a, a bit brighter and uh, regulated. But I, I don't think the government will do very well if they try to go after uh, everybody with a stick. I, I think they um, are in a game of chicken almost with this technology and they don't want to necessarily show that they're ultimately uh, powerless. Yeah. Right? <laughs> they, they don't want to have a really big uh, case and then reveal to everybody watching that they can't actually do anything about it. Like the FBI with iPhone? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so uh, they'll, they'll try to figure out some carrots, I think, to sort of place crypto on a zone that they can actually like manage. So maybe they'll have like um, situations where they're also a key signer on transactions or something, like kind of like a multi-sig hmm. uh, situation. If you want to be like a legitimate business, maybe they'll want to have some sort of, um, like I said, a safety valve where they can shut down your contract or in order to sort of have access to uh, government and sort of conduct your business above board, they'll probably want to have an ID on everybody. Interesting. But I, so I think they'll have to offer incentives. So wait, I just want to, I just want to um, uh, elucidate. Why can't I use big words today? But <laughs> I think elucidate is the word I'm looking for. Uh, or I don't know how to pronounce your point on that. So you're, you're thinking that government will start to... Um, I guess the word would be infused itself in the core technologies of the crypto space, like wallets and on signing and things yeah. so that they have a, a permanent presence in that and a, and a controlling presence in that in so much as they do with like current money. Right. 
So it's almost like they can control whether or not this is a legitimate use of money, similar to what they do now with the minting of money and bank regulations. Yeah, pretty much. And that's and I don't expect the government to say pay us Bitcoin. They'll say pay us in like our own mm-hmm. fiat coin. And that'll also be a way to sort of control yeah. the space. Interesting. Well, boys, I'm out. The podcast is over and I'm out of Web3. <laughs> well, well <laughs> give, give it a minute, Chair. I mean, you can I just think I have to say, yeah. yeah, this is very I think US I have century. to disagree. Well, also, before I go to the discrete point, since you brought up the point that this is the US, I think that that's another thing that you brought up that I think is really interesting that I hadn't thought of before is how um, the way the Web3 space works is almost gives you sovereignty on the level of like a state, right? Where you are sovereign over how you use and spend that money, which is interesting. And it's a lot of power. It's power that individuals have never had, have, well, rarely if ever had before in human history of just like they had this sovereignty yeah. over their money because throughout most history, money has always been, you know, minted and distributed and regulated by some type of government entity right like kings and queens just to put their faces on coins right and so it's interesting that now people have the ability to kind of you know make their own money and spend it and things and have these things have arbitrary value even though you know only small groups might necessarily use them without a real regulating body so that's an interesting point that i just want to talk about yeah i think it goes further though than like you know in prehistoric times like maybe there was like more diversity of currency like mm-hmm. barter systems but Someone with a really big stick could still take all your, yeah. your shells, right? If they hit you over the head with it, but they can well, necessarily there's do that still with the Bitcoin. Five dollar wrench attacks, right? I mean, like, there's yeah. wrench attacks. Yeah, that's oh, a point. So, <laughs> but it's less obvious that you have Bitcoin. Maybe, yeah, that's true. Versus, well, I have a bag of shells. Yeah, it's less obvious where it is, and, how you got, <laughs> and you can like do different things to obfuscate it. Yeah, you're right. Um, what was the other thing? Oh, so other thing. Just I know I kind of led into this under false pretenses. But how do you feel about, since we kind of broached that subject, how do you feel about um, the kind of revamping we're now having of citizenship, where people are now looking to disassociate citizenship from a physical territory? So we have, so there are several projects in the crypto space that are attempting to like off, offer, kind of create their own like governments almost and their own like nation states effectively that aren't tied to any one physical location. And there's also what I've heard Estonia is offering an e-residency where it's basically like you can be sign up to become effectively like an Estonian resident or maybe even citizen. I'm not sure how it works exactly. Um, and you can be anywhere in the world, but then you can kind of officially consider yourself like a resident of Estonia through this e-residency program they have. Are you familiar with those types of projects? And like, what's your opinion on kind of the legal ramifications of that and how that'll work out? going forward yeah so i i mean to start i'm a fan of e-residency I, I think like identity um has been sort of monopolized by governments like you know especially in the u.s like you're not a person unless you have a social security number mm-hmm. you're accounted for but um you know governments that say like okay we're going to take this tool we have which is like legitimacy about who you are and other governments will respect that but we'll make it like internet based and anyone can sort of join i'm a bit skeptical though you know b- beyond you know just having an identity i, I think governments still are very like local concerns, you know, like I, the reason why I care about like paying my taxes and you know being a citizen is because, um, you know, my, my government ideally makes sure my, my water's mm-hmm. not poisoned, mm-hmm. that they, you know, build bridges, they, they do all these like very corporeal yeah. things that are important to my, like my, uh, you know, my offline uh, life, you know, I'm, I'm still not uploaded to the meta- metaverse, <laughs> right? So I, I still need governments. I still need protection schemes, you know, like we're, we all kind of band together into our tribes and, ideally you know there's some sort of equilibrium there with like what i want to do versus like the extraction of that tribe it's always an uh, uneasy relationship but um yeah i I don't think you know necessarily like you know that that's going to go away like you know pure online uh nations 
don't quite make sense to me other than sort of offering sort of the most basic service of like and, identity and tax agents. Um, e-residency. Oh yeah. Tax is also yeah important, but I, I still think like, you know, the way I see governments and the purpose of them is largely to manage like things that are yeah. visible um, and our relationships to each other make sure we don't mm-hmm. all kill each other. Right. Yeah, that's, so, that's a good yeah. point. And I hope people so, in the web three space don't forget that. that. So to our listeners, don't forget, like Rosh just said, where your water comes <laughs> from, who makes sure your water isn't poisoned. As, as much as we like to rag on our governments oh, and we'll look into yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and look into alternate forms of governance, we still need something to make sure our water is not poisoned and that the fire department shows up and our house is on fire, right? Like, this is still important things. Um, I was going to say, though, that I personally, part, I disagree and also going to play the devil's advocate. Is it still called playing the devil's advocate if you actually, it doesn't matter. Um, so you said that you think that the government is going to kind of suffuse itself into all the fundamental tools of the crypto space and that you think that most of the blockchain space or Web3 space will stay transparent and that there'll be these small side fringe groups that use things like Tornado Cash and the like to make sure things are like anonymized and private. I actually don't think I agree with either of those things. I think that mm-hmm. I, I just don't I have a hard time imagining the U.S. government being nimble enough to suffuse itself into web three tools before, you know, people, before it gets too far gone. Right. I don't think the U S government's be fast enough. I mean, maybe they always have that power that they can just kind of step in and kind of mandate things. But I just feel like by the time they get around to it, it are, I mean, if you're right and it happens in the next six months, I can see that happening. But if it takes two years or more, which, you know, most things the U S government tend to take, I think that things will be too far gone at that point. There'll be too many institutions, too many places around the world with like Estonia e residency things, right? That are beyond the that are beyond the reach of the U.S. grasp effectively, but yet are still kind of domestic, right? Because they're still around everywhere. So, a, I don't think that'll happen. And b, I think that as the U.S. tries to get involved with that, and as other groups try to get involved in that, and as Web three hits mainstream, I think we'll start seeing a lot more of it go private and not be so transparent, right? Because like right now, everything's open. And so like, you know, you can type in rjbacon.eth into etherscan.io and you can see all of my holdings, right? At least on my public wallet. And you can find my private wallets because you can tell where I've transferred shit to, right? So you can tell where I'm squirreling away funds in my uh, other more private wallets, right? You can find them. Um, And so like, that's all well and good right now when nobody cares, right? Like I have less than half my net worth in, in the in the web3 space right or roughly half um and not many people know about that so i'm not really worried about like you know the twenty thousand other people in web3 that like i interact with bulking me up or whatever right but once it becomes mainstream where this is where everyone's storing their wealth and everyone knows that it's public and can find everything else like are people really going to want everyone to just be able to look up how much money they have like all of your neighbors all of your friends and family all of your coworkers, right now you know how much everybody else like i don't i just don't think that crypto as a completely transparent or web three as a completely transparent space will be sustainable. I think it will go very private with things like, you know, like the tornado Zcash and like encrypt the transactions very quickly. Yeah. I think that's a good point that like personal finance will have to use like ZK technology and like tornado mm-hmm. and similar. Um, I, I, I guess like what kind of always makes me worry though, is that like ultimately a lot of the money that moves into crypto is still fiat. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's still the, the minority of people that get paid in crypto or that are mining crypto and that, that's how they have their network and that's how they do their dealings. Um, most of the time people buy on Coinbase and they have KYC 
you can still try to obfuscate after that point. But um, like I said, these are choke points That's of true. like entry mm-hmm. and exit that if you like want to like, you know, convert your crypto to cash, like you'll be identified. Um, and even if you've like squirreled away this maze of different like wallets and all, all that stuff, like eventually, you know, you're still doing, um, you know, a lot of your dealings in fiat. This could be sunset, of course, like once more people just accept crypto, when we, we do like payments like by phone to people, to vendors, and um, we kind of get to that point. But I, I still think that like right now in this inning, the government has an advantage of, yeah, you know, most of the people that are coming into crypto are going through their gates and they keep mm-hmm. tabs on us. Um, and even though I, I do think like the U.S. government, at least what we see with like the, the Senate, that whole political theater, like that that is always going to be sort of lagging behind. But that's almost like entertainment. What I really worry about are like sort of agencies like the CIA and the NSA that are definitely mining all yeah. this data. And they're trying to paint a picture of what citizens are doing or our enemies, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, so-called terrorists. Um, they're, they're very uh, nimble, I would say, with mm-hmm. technology. They, they hire very sophisticated people or they blackmail sophisticated yeah, people. So um these are sort of the dynamics of like all that data is being collected if our government can prioritize it then these agencies will you know make that data available to uh you know our kind of fumbling uh you know politicians so yeah it's still very much a fiat world but we we do have these alternatives um that are growing but it's still very early i'd say and even if it takes two years i think the government still has an early advantage but, you know, I, I do like to see that, you know, people are, um, you know, mining Ethereum. There's people that get paid by DAOs. Like, I actually get my salary purely from a DAO oh, really? these days, which is kind of cool. So you're, so you're living the dream then? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I still have to, like, uh, put my funds in the Coinbase to convert to fiat. But, you know, it is sort of suggestive that this will work. I, I've made it work, at least. Yeah, it's interesting that I'm always outnumbered on these calls. Like, I'm always the only one who still has, like, a regular job. Like, I have to show up to work for, right? Um <laughs> So like, like your like your no, face of the cool. DAO and, and Chair gets all of his stuff via different projects and get the space. I mean, I almost have a heart attack when I like transfer funds still. Like, you know. Yeah, I, I haven't taken that leap yet, but I've been told I should. Even my bosses at my actual job are like, dude, why don't you just go work in the crypto space? Like you seem to really like that shit. And I'm like, why are you telling me like what? Oh <laughs> Take a <laughs> they'll only say they'll only They'll only say that until you actually, because they can tell you're not serious yet. Yeah. So they're just saying it. But as soon as you get serious, they go, wait, 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 here, a raise. And you look in the face and you say, how much? Um, <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Uh, Ross, uh, <laughs> we would love it if you could come on every once in a while and, you know, increasingly, uh, increasingly more and more, we have legal issues popping up, things that we would love to have a Mm -hmm. real legal take on. And so, you know, the next time Craig Wright decides to start uh, a spinoff coin or takes a picture, he has to defend. Yeah. Or, you know, takes a picture, he has to defend. Um, uh, We'd love to have you on and be our political, our, our legal eyes and ears and, and brain liaison there, can, there can that be his official title our legal liaison consigliere yes consigliere, okay our wartime consigliere if you tell me how to spell that in the chat i'll give you that role in discord you just have to read the godfather father it's in there somewhere <laughs> ross i really i really appreciate you coming on and there are many topics that we only barely scratched i would love to dive in deeper so where can people find you if you want them to find you and where can they find lex Dow? 
and uh anywhere else anything else you'd like to pump at the moment pump your bags this is your time yeah yeah totally um people can find me on twitter it's basically just my name uh, r underscore ross underscore campbell sorry if that's a little bit tedious for Lux out you know people are curious you know they want to learn about you know what what are lawyers doing with smart contracts what are they doing with web3 go to lexdow.chat the link to our discord um i think that's probably the best uh, sort of um landing pad to sort of get involved for like crypto lawyers other bags I could pump, but I, I probably shouldn't. Well, you know the legal ramifications better than we do. Exactly. <laughs> Ross, thank you very much. We really appreciate you having, on, having you on, and we look forward to having you on again. Yeah, thank you. This was a great talk. Yeah, it's, it's been awesome. I see you in my dreams as if you were right in front of me. You feel it? I feel it. I almost don't believe it. A comfortable reaction is the way that you Hello, folks. This is Bacon coming to you from the Share What You're Making recording studio. It's just me again, but that's probably good. Get your fill of me because it's looking like I probably won't be in episode four due to some minor scheduling issues. But if that ends up being the case, I'll definitely be back for episode five. But tell your friends, tell your vegan friends that episode four will be vegan, no bacon. Other updates around the Share What You're Making studio here is that we have brought on an editor. That's not me which would be great. So hopefully we'll be able to get these episodes out much quicker than in the past because we won't be waiting on me to procrastinate through editing them. And also hopefully the audio will be better because I'm a complete novice at this editing stuff and the lady we have doing this now is much better than I am. Also, we'll start having some more toss-ins here for like metagame as you're about to hear in a moment here. And other projects like we highlighted Chair's other project, LSDAO, at the top of the podcast here. So if you have a particular project or DAO or association that you would like us to give a shout out to, uh, let us know. Talk to us. You can find Chair on Twitter at Very Comfy. And you can also find me on Twitter or better yet in Discord. If you look into any of like the big Web3 Discords, I'll be in there on Bacon. You can send me a direct message. Once again, I'd also like to thank our usual people to thank. So we've got Blast Vegas for our theme song, Natural Feeling, and Metagame for hosting our podcast here. And that'll do it. Hopefully you enjoyed talking with Ross from LexDAO as much as we did. And I look forward to seeing you, if not next episode, the episode after that. This podcast is brought to you by Metagame. Find us at metagame.wtf, wiki.metagame.wtf, and follow Metafam on Twitter at Metafam. Metagame. You'll leave with more questions than you started with. And without further ado, here's Ross Campbell of LexDAO and SushiSwap. He's a cutie pie. <laughs> I saw him at Epcon. He's a cutie pie.